listen. Friendship. Entertainment. Welcome to episode 7, I believe this is episode 7 of Get Super with your host, that's me, Mario B, I'm your host, Get Super with me, Mario, and on this episode I'll be talking about Godzilla Minus One, oh my god, it blew my freaking mind, I'll be talking about the new Indiana Jones style of Destiny, I'm also going to be talking about Leave the World Behind, I just watched it on Netflix, so I have a lot of opinions and a lot of things to say about that. But first, I want to talk about the uh, game of the the game awards, the video game awards. Uh, it was on, uh, I believe, last night as of when I'm recording this. And I well, first of all, let me apologize that I'm posting this episode so late into the week. Um, usually, I post them in the middle of the week or the beginning of the week. Um, I just started my new job last week. Uh, Friday was my first day. This whole week was my first actual week at my new job so I'm getting used to the new schedule and it, it's pretty cool you know I I, uh, I like my new job I work for uh, maybe I won't say what I work for but it's it's <laughs> maybe that's too much information I don't want you guys to know uh, okay uh, I work at a library um, it's pretty cool uh, it's a joint library so it's uh, between the city and a college, and I work at the library, and for the first time ever, I have my own desk. I have, like, a little cubicle. I mean, I share it. I have a desk mate, uh, which is pretty awkward, pretty strange so far. You know, I'm getting acclimated with them. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting to know my coworkers, and everyone's been really nice. It's, it's such a different atmosphere than what I'm used to. The, the whole clicky, uh, thing or the whole uh pretend to be friends with everybody just to socialize and and stab everybody in the back at work everyone so far here seems very very nice um very uh progressive this seems like a very progressive job my my last job obviously was very broy very uh toxic masculinity i think um the job before that was uh in a way, kind of the same thing, but it was just like, get the job done, get the job done here. You know, I, I'm so used to learning fast, you know, here they're like, slow down, take, you know, observe, learn, you know, don't, don't, don't rush into it, which is really cool, I guess, but I'm also not used to it. So it makes me anxious and I feel bad uh, for people showing me what to do. Um, last night I had a coworker, Melissa, show me how to close and, and what to do there. And that was uh, very, the way she taught me, yes, was a lot, it was a lot of information at once, but it's going to help me learn faster. So I appreciate that. But it's just cool to, to work for somebody. And, you know, the job is very easy. It's uh, easier than jobs I've had before that have been very physical and, and wearing on the body. 
and uh, tiring and working overtime where this is like, hey, uh, go home when you got to go home. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool. And it's hard to get used to. Anyway, back to the video game awards. Uh, I didn't watch it. I've seen a lot of TikTok videos on it. Uh, I haven't played a new game in a long time. I think the newest game I played was Diablo 4. Uh, and that's just because my friend Joey, who you heard on like two episodes ago, I think it was two episodes ago, with his uh, Mystery Meat segment, he bought me Diablo 4. So I haven't had a lot of uh, experience with a lot of the new games that have come out. So I, I couldn't really brute for a game. I, I didn't really care who won. Um, I think it's pretty obvious which games are going to win anyway. Uh, obviously, Baldur's Gate 3 won Game of the Year. It's a really good game from what I hear when from the things that I see, so uh, I'm sure it earned it. I, I personally can't argue either way towards Spider-Man 2 or uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I haven't played those games. Uh, I did play the first Legend of Zelda uh, one on the Switch. The uh, oh Man, I forget the name of it already. Uh, Breath of the Wilds. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wilds. I did play that. Um, I don't have my copy anymore, uh, but uh, I did play it. Uh, the only thing that confused me was uh, Cyberpunk won for best ongoing game, I guess because they came out with DLC. Uh, I mean, I, it, it makes a little sense to me. Maybe like an MMO or, or something would make more sense in a way, I guess, to me. Um, or or a game that's constantly being updated, I guess. Maybe Overwatch could be added to that category. Uh, only The only thing I, I saw that I, I, I think I'm super excited for personally is all the Sega reboots or remakes. The, uh, the clips that they showed look fantastic. Just Set Radio Future, hell yes. I did buy uh, Bum Rush Cyberfunk. I did buy that game. It is almost just like uh, Jet Set Radio. The music in it is incredible. It's a really good game. And it's cool that uh, Sega is updating Jet Set Radio. Golden Axe, the little clip that they showed looked kind of neat. He was riding a mount or something. Uh, Crazy Taxi, amazing. Maybe if Crazy Taxi, the new one, does, is, does really well or is super successful, maybe the uh, whoever owns the rights to uh, Simpsons Hit and Run will remake that finally. And of course, the Kratos actor did dog uh, on Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 3's campaign, which if anyone's ever going to do that, I, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain. So anyway, uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed watching the Video Game Awards. I wish I could have watched it. I was just not, like, uh, in the mood, I guess. Or I forgot it was on, and then... I was playing a game, and then I got a headache, and so I, I, I just went to sleep. I didn't really uh, take the time to try and watch it, but I missed it. I kind of missed watching, like, E3, like, taking off and watching E3 or or uh, streaming the game show awards. Those, those were always fun. Um, I feel like I kind of forced my ex to watch those, <laughs> and I feel bad about that. But she was a gamer, so I, I think in a way she kind of liked it. I don't know. Uh, maybe she just wanted to go out more and I was 
not the going out type, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I still feel bad about all that. But, you know, uh, before the end of the year, or maybe at the end of the year, I, I, I did talk about in the previous episode that I will be doing a top 10 uh, for movies of the year and my top five TV shows and th- things that I did on Cinema 7 with Chris Hawk and John Kenoki. Uh, so I will be doing that. And uh, a lot of people have been putting out, you know, their top tens or people have been putting out their best movies of the year lately. And Time Magazine actually released a week ago, I believe, their top 10 movies of the year. And I just want to say, I haven't seen any of these movies on this list. I don't think any of them are out in theaters, so I don't know if they had advanced screenings or something, or they saw it at festivals, or they went to the premieres, maybe. I have no idea. I haven't seen any of these movies. Uh, There are a couple on the list that I do want to see, but I'm pretty sure that my list is going to be way completely different from Time Magazine's top 10 movie list. So I'm going to go over what's on their top 10 movie list. At number 10 is Passages. I don't know what this movie is about. Uh, Maybe I should have looked up what the movie was about before I started talking about the movies on their top 10 list. I guess I'll be right back after this so I can educate myself on the movies on Time Magazine's top 10 list before I uh, get into any further. Five minutes later. Okay, so I'm back. Passages. Uh, A gay couple's marriage is thrown into crisis when one of them impulsively begins a passionate affair with a young woman. Sounds like he's bisexual. The more I read about this movie, uh, the more I want to see it. I usually try to see any LGBTQA plus uh, movies or TV shows. Uh, I I just try to... um, be a good ally. I try to make, try to normalize uh, these love stories. You know, I, I try to, uh, because a lot of them are good. Uh, I've talked about Pose before. Pose, I think, is just phenomenal. Needs to be watched because uh, that show will help you understand the trans community and not only that, what they went through, uh, especially what the gay community went through with AIDS and and things like that. Uh, it's just a phenomenal show. And I really like Bros, and I really liked uh, Fire Island. Uh, there's another show out with Matt Bomber. I love Matt Bomber. Matt Bomber should be Hal Jordan in a Green Lantern movie. I just That's just my opinion. But uh, I'm going to make it an effort to see passages. At number nine on their list is Dreaming Wild. It's uh, a movie about brothers Donnie and Joe... Emerson, who find newfound musical success after their 1979 debut album, Dreamin' Wild, is rediscovered three decades later. I guess the musical duo spent everything they have to produce a record in the 1970s, and I I guess uh, the movie's about their journey as it becomes popular when they're older. Uh, Zoe Deschamel's in this movie. Walton Goggins is in this movie. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, Zoe Deschamel's pretty good too. Uh, I love New Girl. Uh, Casey A- Casey Affleck. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to see this movie. At number eight on Time Magazine's top ten list is "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." This movie is about eleven year old Margaret who moves to a new town and starts to starts to uh, think about 
life and friendships and and uh and I guess growing up and and I guess she experiences um puberty and uh womanhood or the idea of what society deems uh to be successful with womanhood or or uh it seems that she relies on her mother Barbara uh who offers loving support and her grandmother who's coming to terms with finding happiness in the new phase of her life. She quest- it's got questions of identity, one's place in the world, and what brings meaning to life soon that brings everyone closer together than ever before. I remember seeing trailers for this in the beginning of the year, and, and I always wanted to go see it because I feel like men in general should just educate themselves on what women go through when they grow up and especially uh, when girls get their first period and, and things like that. I don't think that should be uh, silenced. You know, uh, there's a Ghibli movie, which I own. Well, I, I just looked to my left uh, of all my DVDs and I thought I owned it. Uh, it's called Only Yesterday. I believe it's a Ghibli movie and, but they, or uh, Disney has the rights to it, but Disney never wanted to put it out, or they had the rights to it, and they didn't want to put it out because it mentioned uh, a girl going through a period, which which I think that is stupid because that's a part of life. That's what women and girls go through, you know. Like, why can't you let girls experience that or get to know what's what's happening with them and let them feel comfortable about it, you know? Uh, well, anyway, this movie looks like it brings a lot of those things up, and I do want to see it because of that. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm going to make an attempt to see this movie before the year's over. At number seven on their list is Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, this kind of surprises me because I feel like uh, critics and, and people in uh, media would make this like their number one movie. So, uh, it. It's kind of interesting to see it here at number seven uh, for Time Magazine. Uh, I don't really care to see this movie, I'm going to be honest. But, um, you know, if it comes out soon on home video, maybe I'll catch it. Or if it's on streaming, I'll try to watch it. It is long, though. At number six, they have Past Lives, which uh, is about two characters named Nora and... Hugh Song, who two deeply connected childhood friends are torn apart after Nora's family immigrates from South Korea. They then decades later, they reunite for one faithful week as they confront destiny, love and the choices that make up life. That is the synopsis I just read. It looks like the main character is already in a relationship, and then when she sees her childhood friend, she uh, questions this relationship. I do not like things like this, so I will... S- maybe. Maybe I'll, tr- I'll try to watch it. Maybe. At number five, Time Magazine puts Revoir Paris, which when I googled it, it said 2022. So I, uh, I think that's cheating to put it on their uh, 2023 list. Uh, it's about... Um, Well, here's the synopsis. I'll read this. Three months after surviving a terrorist attack at a bistro, Mia is still traumatized and unable to recall the events of that night. In an effort to move forward, she investigates her memories and retraces her steps. 
At number four, Time Magazine puts Priscilla in that slot. Uh, Priscilla is obviously about Priscilla Presley uh, and the dude from uh, the the uh, the jerky kid from Euphoria is Elvis, which is weird to me. But anyway, uh, I guess it's a movie about Priscilla Presley. Uh, it's so it's a film by uh, Sophia Coppola. I don't know if I have any desire to see this movie, but if you are fascinated by real life characters or celebrity and their drama. If you want to see a, a movie directed by a, a female director, then I think you should check this out. All right, so talking about this, these movies on their top 10 list is actually taking up too much time here on the podcast, so I'm going to go over the last three pretty quick. Uh, number three on their list is The Zone of Interest. Uh, number two is Maestro, or, or Maestro. Uh, Bradley Cooper is the, the, the filmmaker behind it, and he stars in it. That's getting a lot of attention lately. I don't know if I care for the, the uh, Oscar pandering type movies. And then number one on their list is Fallen Leaves. So there you have it. Time Magazine's Top 10 Movies of 2023. None of those will probably be on my top 10 list. Uh, I haven't seen those movies. I probably won't see those movies, except for the two that I said I want to try and see. Just wait till you hear my top 10 movies. Probably going to be very different from a lot of people's top 10 movies. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was, well, not talk about it, but I'll mention the Fallout teaser trailer. Uh, that seemed, uh, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty interesting. It gave me some uh, Defiance vibes, if you remember that game and the TV show they created for that game. It gives me Defiance vibes. But Defiance, the TV show, was pretty good. So I'm, I'm pretty PO'd that that show didn't last. But, you know, uh, hopefully fans of Fallout uh, watch it, uh, tr- try to stick with it, find it interesting, maybe... If the first season's not as great, maybe the second season will be better. Uh, I don't think a lot of Halo fans went to go watch the Halo series, and people just complained about it. Uh, I thought it was pretty decent. It was a it was a good uh, chunk of my time, or how should I say this? Not a good chunk of my time. That's not what I mean. I mean, it it wasn't a waste of time to watch it. Like it gave me something to watch. Right? It 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 took up time that I didn't feel was wasted. Uh, so uh, I didn't think Halo was that bad of a first season. They're trying to do something different, right? I- I'm very open to doing different things from uh, the source material. So uh, maybe Fallout fans will give this a more, uh, more chance. So now I want to talk about some of the movies that I saw. And uh, on Netflix, I watched Family Switch with Jennifer Gardner. And I don't remember the other guy's name from The Office. And uh, he's in a bunch of movies. I don't remember his name right now. But The Family Switch is basically 13 going on 30, except it's a full family. So the mom and dad switch with the son and the daughter. I don't know how I feel about this because they're a married couple switching with their children. 
And now the brother and daughter are the mom and dad who are romantically involved, right? So they don't really ever allude to that or, or you know, they don't really make that a, a thing in the show or in the movie, which is good. But I felt awkward the entire time watching this movie. And I don't know if it was because of that. It brought up a lot of thoughts for me. A lot of uh, me thinking during my time watching this movie. Like, can you imagine switching bodies with your dad? Can you imagine, while you're in your dad's body, having the urge to masturbate? Things like that, that I was thinking about. That made the movie more awkward for me. Yeah, I didn't really care for this movie. If you like 13 going in on 30 or Freaky Friday, and if you like Jennifer Gardner, you probably will like this movie. It just was not funny to me. Uh, I didn't really laugh. You know, it, it gave me something to watch, but I feel like I could have been watching something else. And and seriously, could you imagine being in your parents' body, having the urge to masturbate or just showering or, or anything like that? That It'd be so awkward. It'd be so weird. Maybe I'm the only one who had these thoughts. I don't know. Maybe that makes me really weird. I just, I, I can't, I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. Maybe I should talk about uh, Leave the World Behind, because that's also on Netflix, since I just talked about something that's on Netflix. Maybe. Yeah, let's talk about that. This movie stars Ethan Hawke, Julia Roberts, and Mahershala Ali, who is at some point supposed to be Blade. We don't know when. But hopefully Marvel gets their asses in gear and gives us Blade. This was a very artsy movie, I think. The uh, cinematography was pretty awesome. Uh, it reminded me of like a old grindhouse or art film uh, independent movie. Like it was, it, the cinematography was really well done, in my opinion. The acting in the movie was throughout the movie it was really well done everyone did a fantastic job and uh it, it's really about the collapse of america and how people would react to react to losing internet and uh losing a lot of luxuries that we have right in the united states like there's a lot of things i think that would be scary for us to lose and internet uh wi-fi uh, satellite, uh, power, you know, there's a lot of things that if we lost, I, we probably would go nuts. And I think this movie explores that a little bit. Um, I, I really don't think there's a lot of meaning behind the movie. I guess you can say how, uh, how the luxuries of life kind of hold us back could be a meeting, uh, meaning in the movie, because it, there's also a thing where, you know, these, this family who lives in New York, which is already, uh, you know, expensive these days, and they just are like, hey, let's go on a vacation. So they, they rent an Airbnb, and then they're at the Airbnb, and they don't know what's happening because they're losing their Wi-Fi and their phone service, and they don't know, you know, what's happening around them. They're just, you know, um, engaged with the trip. It's not that they they don't want to be aware. They're just, uh, you can see the frustration of not having those things while they're trying to take this vacation. 
So in a way, maybe it's kind of like what's more important, you know, your technology or uh, the loved ones around you. That could be another meaning. There will probably be a lot of people who will watch this later or there, there probably will be fans of this movie. I don't know if, it's a, if it has any rewatch value uh, for me personally. I do like the way it ends, but the way the movie plays out, you know, it's more, uh, it's not something that I think is going to really get people talking or uh, have a lot of staying power in the minds, I guess. I think it's very forgettable. I think this movie will be very forgettable. But yeah, I mean, it is a good movie. It's just not something that I think will last in the minds of moviegoers especially casual moviegoers like if you're real hipstery if you're if you're a big hipster or if you're uh into film maybe you'll like this type of uh movie and, and it'll stick with you for a while but uh i guess i don't i don't see it um being like talked about at the workplace or People going, oh my god, this movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's not a lot of conversation behind it. It is what it is. If you're looking for something that's going to keep you awake or keep you on the edge of your seat, something that's going to be really engaging, I don't think this is it. I think there's a lot of false uh, mystery behind this movie. I'd probably give it a 8 out of 10, personally. But... I don't know if it's going to go on my list because it wasn't something that really uh, shocked me or made me go, you know what, that, I, I could definitely rewatch that. And it's weird because there's movies on my list right now that I would probably give a lesser rating to than this movie. It's just, you know, not, it, those were just entertaining in a different way, I guess. While this was an, a, a good watch or an interesting watch, it wasn't. Uh, and it's a good movie. It just is not something that I, I think is uh, worthy of the my top ten list. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now this next movie, I'm not going to give a rating because uh, I'm still very conflicted. Uh, it's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I watched it on Disney Plus. I waited for it to come out uh, on December first. I watched it twice so far i think this was a really good indiana jones plot for an indiana jones movie i think this was pretty everything about this screamed original indiana jones to me you know it wasn't super over the top uh it it had action and the action was fun and exciting like the chase scene was really good uh in the streets of Morocco, it just, something bothered me about this movie. I guess what really bothered me was the fact that media, uh, reviewers, websites, articles, uh, even people or, or podcasts that I listened to all talked about this movie like it was a big send-off for the character. And it really wasn't. It wasn't really a send-off. It didn't end in a way that is like, okay, now Indiana Jones gets to ride off into the sunset. It didn't really do that or say, hey, this is the next chapter for the character or let's pass the torch here. And I think that bothered me because 
it, it seemed like they did everything they could to erase what happened in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? It seemed like they wanted to make that movie seem like it, it, it was just, it was here and it's not. And this is the next movie, I guess, where I feel like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull really gave the character a big send-off. Like, the, it really teased the next Indiana Jones, and, and the send-off, I think, was perfect at the end, marrying uh, Meriden and uh, Mutt picking up the hat, and then him saying, not yet. But, you know, it's kind of like a tease that, that there could be a passing of the torch, right? And I really like Indiana Jones and I, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I should state. I, I feel like not a lot of people like that movie. And I, I understand why Disney has Kingdom of the Crystal Skull-itis. As another podcast I listen to says that Disney has prequel-itis. Well, I think they have Kingdom of the Crystal Skull-itis because uh, a large number of the fan base didn't like that movie. And so they did what they could to make it seem like it was just... Uh, one in the shuffle, one movie in the catalog instead of a, a nice little send-off or kickstart to what could be next, right? And I understand Shia LaBeouf has done a lot of stupid shit, right? Shia LaBeouf did a lot of things that were uh, not appropriate, uh, were immature. Um, he, he was a troublemaker, as old folks would say. And so I, I understand why the distance from him. But Shia LaBeouf also has had a big change in his life with his family now. And I, I feel like he could have had a, a good redemption if they would have had a great story for Mutt. Instead, they killed off the character. And, and I really didn't like the way they, they uh, kind of separated Harrison Ford and Meriden in this movie just to get him to go out on another adventure. I don't know. It didn't it didn't sit right with me. Though the story, like I said, was a good Indiana Jones story. And I think that uh this movie did make it this movie felt like Steven Spielberg directed it. It really did. James Mangold did a really good job in making you feel this was a Steven Spielberg Indiana Jones movie. He did a fantastic job with that. The score, as always, was fantastic. Uh, in, in all the Indiana Jones movies, the scores are, are wonderful. I ju- it just doesn't sit well with me, I guess, yet. And it's not that it's a bad movie, it's just that I don't think we needed it, really. And it makes Kingdom of the Crystal Skull pointless, and I'm not a fan of that. If you don't care about that type of stuff, right, then I think you should watch this movie. If you like action and... Uh, you like the Indiana Jones movies, uh, and you like Harrison Ford, definitely watch this movie. Uh, it's, you know, it's, I think it's pretty entertaining. Uh, you know, don't go off of what I'm saying and, and, you know, form your own opinion about this. Go watch it on Disney Plus because I clearly have a personal bias. I will say though, uh, the de-aging is a lot better in this movie than it was in previous movies, especially the CGI faces in Rogue One. I will not go into further detail about that, but it looked pretty good here on a young, for a young Indiana Jones, uh, young Harrison Ford. You know, it, it looked pretty decent. I will say that. It was a pretty good uh, de-aging. Now, his mouth, 
they can't get the mouth right. The mouth was definitely weird, especially when uh, there was light and you could see the mouth uh, in light. It was very noticeable how bad the mouth was, CGI-wise. But in the dark, the face and everything uh, looked pretty good. Uh, Penelope Waller-Bridge, who plays Helena Shaw, uh, I think she's really good. I mean, the character is very uh, not likable. I will say that. But she is pretty good in the movie. I think the actress, if you haven't seen Fleabag on Amazon, on Amazon Prime, go watch Fleabag. It's pretty good. She plays this uh, sassy uh, Han Solo-like character pretty well. At least that's the vibe I got. I, I felt like her character is very much like Han Solo, at playing off of Indiana Jones. And uh, I think, in a way, that leaves room for this character to develop into a Indiana Jones-type character if they want her to replace Indiana Jones in another movie. I don't know if they're doing that, but I, I liked I like her as an actress. I I I, th- I also think she's extremely beautiful, uh, but her character is can be very unlikable in this movie. So let's get into uh, the main event. Well, I want it to be the main event, and it's Godzilla minus one because I am a big Godzilla fan. I've always been a Godzilla fan. My dad bought Godzilla VHS tapes, and we'd watch them as a kid. And I fell in love with Godzilla. I fell in love with Kaiju. I fell in love with the 70s and 60s Godzilla movies uh, where he fights all the different monsters. Um, Mecha Godzilla is probably my favorite one. The uh, first Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla with, uh, with King Caesar. That's probably one of my favorite Godzilla movies. I have all the DVDs and, and I have the uh, collection that came out with the big uh, book and, and the neon and colors uh i i don't know what the collection's called but it's a godzilla collection it's like all the movies up until a certain point right up until i think the end of the 70s and then i have everything else after that you know final wars has definitely got to be up there too and i guess before i get into godzilla minus one i should talk about the godzilla x kong uh new empire trailer that dropped uh godzilla uh, this new Godzilla looks really cartoony. I guess it doesn't matter since he's looked pretty goofy before. You know, it looks cool, though it is still a little cartoony, but uh, I like the new red colors. And then King Kong has a robot arm, which looks interesting, which means this uh, big bad uh, Scar King orangutan must cut off Kong's arm, and therefore he gets a robot arm, possibly. It's funny because I make jokes that I look like an orangutan or that I'm shaped like one. So this is probably going to be pretty funny to go see if I go see it with my group of friends. Because they're going to just say, hey, that's you the entire time. Because I've made the reference of me looking like an orangutan. And personally, I think Godzilla and Kong running together is pretty fucking cool. Alright, let's get back to uh, Godzilla Minus One. Now, I don't, I don't want to spoil a lot because I think you should go see it and it has an extended uh, run in the theaters right now. They extended the time it's going to be in U.S. theaters. So you should definitely go see it. Uh, it this movie was really, really good. Uh, to put it into uh, terms of my inner child, 
holy shit, that was fucking amazing. Okay, this movie is awesome. That's the only way I can describe this movie. It's about a World War II kamikaze pilot. It's about a uh, family who kind of find each other out of necessity. It's about guilt. It's about grief, shame, wanting to live, wanting to die. It's, it's, there's a lot about this movie that just touches you. It, it's very heartfelt. The story is gut-wrenching. It's relatable. It's also... Uh, this movie made me cry. Um, Godzilla is destructive. He's not the scariest Godzilla we've seen. He's not the most destructive we've seen. It is pretty impactful, though, the damage he does to a Japan that has just been bombed by United States, right? Like the impact of World War II on Japan uh, is felt throughout the movie, and for Godzilla to do the, the things that he does uh, in the movie is, uh, you know, it, it, it sucks. It's, uh, it's sad. This movie does a great job of them, of you wanting the people to succeed. I think in the past, there's a lot of Godzilla movies, and I'll say other than Shin Godzilla, because I think that movie also uh, makes you root for the people pretty well, uh, where you just root for Godzilla. You don't care about the people, their background, right? You want him to fight the monster. You want Godzilla to win. This does a really good job with you with making you feel for the people and making you want the people to succeed and stop Godzilla. It, it just, when you watch the first Godzilla movie, I think you, you want that a little bit maybe, uh, but it, you're a little numb to it because you're just watching a creature feature, though it does has more, more meaning than a lot of movies in, in that time frame. I, this takes those concepts and just, overwhelms you if you don't watch this movie and feel compassionate then i i just don't know what to say about you like i was so i empathize so much with the main character and the other characters in this movie it was uh there was a, a range of emotions and um to get a godzilla movie like this as a godzilla fan is is pretty pretty cool you know i i I, this is a near perfect movie for me this year, and there are little things that bother me. Uh, the ending, part of the ending, I will say, bothers me. Another part is some of the CGI animation of Godzilla bothers me. It's too stiff, or uh, I don't want to say stop motiony. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's when he gets hit. It's almost like. Uh, too stiff, but also quick. It's like a quick jerk or a quick... The movement is too quick and sudden for it to seem realistic. And I know how that sounds because Godzilla isn't realistic, but for me, it kind of it irked me, kind of bothered me. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but the movement was stiff and quick and it it uh was kind of came off corny or cringe for me so i'd probably other than that this movie is fantastic the score is wonderful the use 
of the original score or rescoring uh, the original Godzilla theme in, in, in suits of these songs. Even the uh, song from the theme from Godzilla and Kong is in this. Uh, the original Godzilla vs. King Kong. Uh, that theme is in this movie, and it's every theme is placed very well at the time it is placed, and I think that is wonderful. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, so I'd probably give this uh, a nine to a nine point five out of ten. I'd give this movie. You got to go see it if it's still in theaters by the time you listen to this podcast. Go see Godzilla minus one, please. The the movie just made me feel like a kid again, and. Uh, I was so excited and happy that I got to see it in theaters, and I, I was so excited at some scenes, especially when the old music hit, or the re-orchestrated uh, versions of those songs played. It, it blew, this movie blew me away. I should put on uh, lo-fi during this episode, I'm getting kind of anxious, I don't know, talking. I need to relax, I need to relax. I will also say I had really good company when I went to go see Godzilla Minus One. I had I went with Chris Hawk, his brother Tyler, and I had my friend Steven, who my friend Steven did call the ejection scene, and that's all I'll say. But the themes in the movie, guilt and shame, wanting to die, then eventually forgiving oneself and wanting to live, I, I wanted to talk about that separately, and I won't keep you too long, but I, I wanted to talk about how I relate to it. And since I've been open and vulnerable with you guys along this journey, uh, I thought I would talk about how I felt these things and how I related to the character through uh, these emotions and these feelings. First, you know, I'll, I'll talk about guilt and shame and, and how I have felt guilty and how I felt shameful and, and how I still kind of feel that way. You know, uh, sorry about that. I got a text message, but. Uh, and I hate to keep bringing this up, and I've said I wouldn't bring it up, but, you know, my last relationship, how I felt guilt from that and how I felt a lot of it is on me, and I take a lot of the blame, and, and I've taken accountability on the podcast and, you know, all that jazz. I, I uh, But I have felt so guilty and shameful for the downfall of that relationship. I was, it was hard for me to show myself in public it was it 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 uh sorry i'm getting caught on my words trying to think at the same time i um i still feel that you know it's like do i ever want to date again do i ever want to be in a relationship this person was so great and i messed it up you know do i even deserve to be in another relationship you know how how do i not feel bad about or guilty or, or how do i feel like i can be better. I know I can be better as a person, but I guess I have felt so much shame and guilt from how the, I, first of all, how I handled the breakup and also how I handled myself in the relationship. So, you know, will I continue to make those mistakes? Will, can I ever change? Can I ever be a better partner? Even though at times I felt like I was a better partner, I know there was times when I, I wasn't. And I think also because of that shame and guilt, I've wanted to exclude myself from social media. Like a lot of the friends that I've made, you know, that they might share uh, from where we've worked together or uh, 
you know, I don't know how else to explain that. Like the, 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 the mutual friends that we've had, I guess I don't want to see my life. So I, I, because of how guilty and shameful I feel like I, I, like I, Hey, I fucked this up. These people, maybe I should just delete my social media or maybe I should just hide from the world or, you know, what, maybe I should don't deserve to go out and have a good time. And, and, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's challenging. I will say it, it was challenging at a time and and it, and some of that still creeps up and it's it's hard uh you know and and the wanting to die part which you know he he in the movie in Godzilla minus 1 the character the main character wants to sacrifice himself and as a person who has had thoughts of suicide it is tough to go through those uh mind those those thoughts uh wanting to die because you don't feel good enough for this world you there's like no point in living i have felt like that and occasionally i still feel like that i have uh depression i'm always going to be dealing with it and i have medication to help me through it but those thoughts still creep in you know and i think pete davison put it perfect for how i i feel it's uh yeah, I I I want to die, or I I uh, feel like it. People would be better if I wasn't around, or it, it wouldn't matter if I was around, if I wasn't alive, right? It was. Who cares? What What am I providing to people? And my ex even told me that I don't provide anything. So I've taken that to heart, and because of that, yeah, I don't want to live anymore. And I'm not saying that so you get mad at my ex-girlfriend or you get mad at her for making me feel that way because obviously she meant it in a relationship capacity. The way I interpreted it made me very depressed and doubt myself and, and all that. So I'm not saying don't don't go after her. Don't hate her, okay? She had her own different terminology for it and different meaning. So don't get mad at her. I personally just took it very poorly. Instead of taking it as a way to improve the relationship at the time, I guess. But anyway, let me get back to what I was trying to say. Pete Davison said, I'm, I'm too afraid to do anything. And he probably wouldn't do anything. Uh, but he still has those thoughts. And, and that's how I feel. Like, I, I probably wouldn't do anything. I don't think I would. I'm too afraid to do that. And also, the thought of death in... in there being nothingness scares me, so I don't think I, I could ever go through with it. But it doesn't help that those thoughts are still there. And honestly, I think recently with the podcast, uh, especially how I've been opening up and talking about accountability, talking about how I need to take the initiative in, in changing things that I need to change or grow from or ways that I can be better, like I was talking about a few episodes ago, or last episode was it, where I was talking about how uh, I just need to put my foot forward and actually put in the effort, right, to become a better version of me. And I know it's, there's building blocks. You're not, you're not just going to immaculately, f you're not going to fix, you're a work in progress. Right, everyone's a work in progress, uh, so change doesn't come right away, and it's not like 
uh, that change is permanent because you're always changing. You're always evolving. Um, you're always going to be working on you. Anyway, I'm, I'm lingering on. But in this process, I'm learning to forgive myself for what I've, I believe I did wrong for the, uh, the ways where I wasn't my best self. And though I, I, you know, I'm not an abusive person, I don't really yell, I kind of give in, you know, that's where, you know, I need to be better at boundaries for myself, uh, being less of a people pleaser and, and understanding how, you know, how they also impacted the relationship as well. Cause it takes two to tango, right? But I, I'm learning to forgive myself in the ways that I have felt bad and, and how much of the blame that I put on myself. And I think the movie helped me uh, equate it to my own life, all the things the main character was going through. And I, I just wanted to talk about how my, this journey on the podcast and, and getting a new job and, and um, not that I'm going to be looking for a relationship because, uh, like I said, the person was, was the, one of the best people. You know, and, and I really connected with them. And it's going to be hard to really find not just someone who can top that, but someone, I don't want to say similar because everyone's different. You don't want someone similar, right? But how am I going to, I don't know. I don't want to say it because I feel like it's dumb. Like, accept, accept uh, love again. But it, it, that person was very special to me. So I guess I have to take the time still to move forward is what I'm saying. Um, I don't want to make them out to be like the, the best person ever. They're the golden, uh, child or, you know, they're the prophet of, uh, significant others. You know, I don't want to put that, put them on that pedestal, but to me, they were great and it's hard to get over losing that. So, um, but I'm in the process of, uh, uh, now of wanting to continue to live and wanting to uh continue to grow so yeah i just wanted to compare and and relate the things that i went through to the main character now obviously i didn't go to war you know i didn't uh say i, I didn't sign up or be chosen to be a kamikaze pilot you know i I didn't uh, cheat death multiple times, but I did emotionally go through uh, things that helped me relate to those feelings that the main character went through in Godzilla Minus One. I, I just hope you, you take from this that uh, it's okay to feel those things and it's okay to accept wanting to be better and it's okay it it just allow yourself to move on to 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 deal with the grief in a healthy way right i i don't want to sound preachy i don't want to sound like i want people to feel bad for me or pity or uh act like my life is really super bad i, I none of that you know i i just want to pass along uh, vulnerability, acceptance, accountability. Uh, I, w- I want to pass along something positive 
And though it was somewhat not positive and negative and, and uh, dealing with pain and suicide and all, you know, things I mentioned, there's still positivity in how I'm looking forward. Because, you're, you, you know, you're going, you're going to feel sad. You're going to feel a lot of these emotions. And you can overcome them. You will feel better. It's not going to last. And lately I've had a lot of uh, positive support. I've had a great support system. Uh, you know, my friends, Matt, Laura, uh, Brandon, uh, Steven. Steven has offered to let me vent and, and things like that. And hanging out with Steven has been really cool. John, Chris, Nick, George, Joey, like they all have been very supportive. You know, my brothers for life, Gil, Gil, my friend Gil has been very supportive. And uh, speaking of Gil and Steven, me and Steven are probably going to do a podcast together soon. I think I talked about in the last episode. We're still uh, working on that. We got to finish bodies still. Uh, Life has gotten away, I think, for both of us at the moment. And me and Gil are probably going to talk about wrestling we might we might review wrestling pay-per-views uh you know i'm Rody chodes or he could be Rody chodes and i could be grody lee he could be grody lee the dirt devils whatever we're just going to shoot as the dirt devils the dirt devils are going to shoot so it's great just to have that support system berto what am i talking about alberto has been great alberto is one of my best friends and uh, i met him at work 10 years ago over 10 12 years ago um wow it's been that long Holy shit, Birdo, if you're listening. Uh, but, you know, I have a great support system, and uh, I, I have to give kudos to those who have also helped me uh, not only become better, but have uh, let me be happy. Also have made me happy, just being around them. I just want to say, all my friends have great dumpies. They are, they got dump trucks okay you gotta support your friends dumpies you gotta you gotta tell your friends they have uh lovely uh peach lumps they got the dumpies okay they they be dumping they be dump trunking dump trucking and uh i guess i want to end the podcast talking about validation as well uh i just want to talk about ways you can validate others like if someone comes to you with a problem, uh, we in general are most likely to do three things. We, we offer solution, we turn the conversation back on us, and we offer uh, some good old toxic positivity. And, and sometimes these things don't usually uh, move in the right direction, I guess. But really validating someone means actively listening to the other person, understanding how they feel. You know, you don't have to necessarily agree with them and you don't have to relate it to something you're going through or what you've been through, but making their their feelings feel like they make sense and uh, understanding how we would feel and act and react and behave in those situations. Like uh, you can say I totally get why that makes you upset. You can say 
that sounds painful. I, I know it must be hard on you. Or you can say that sucks. And I think your feelings are valid. You know, those are ways to validate someone without making it about you. And, uh, I think we can, uh, help be better listeners. I know that I can be a better listener. I've talked about it before. So here's to me helping validate people and their emotions better. And here's to you being a better validator as well. The validator could be a movie, you know, like Terminator, but instead they're just a machine validating your feelings. Anyway, I'm Mario. This is Get Super. Uh, I've been saying at the end, I hope you stay super and definitely get more super. Uh, I think I've said that before. I definitely said get super. But you, you, sometimes you want to get more super than you already are because you're all pretty super to me. Plus, you know, you don't want to forget to compliment your friends' dumpies, okay? If they got nice dumpies, compliment your friends, okay? We're in the age of men validating dumpies too, okay? Men validating other men's dumpies. And if you made it this far in the podcast, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. As I say all the time, because everybody needs to love everybody. I love you. And I hope you have a good week, a good day, wherever you're at, just know things can be better and feelings like shame and guilt will pass. And I think the word homie is inclusive now. I'm going to say it in regards to everyone, Uh, he, she, they, them, whoever. Peace out, homies.